have made it through phase one, Max. How do you feel? I feel... I feel good that we've made it to phase one. I feel yeah. good that we're moving forward. I feel like we just kind of got there. We just got there. <laughs> I, do, you feel, do you feel one third done with this process? Although I guess phase one is sh- probably shorter than the next two phases, right? I think the well, this is what, movie six for well, us? Well, yeah, and there's what, so, 20 or there's 21. 21. Well, yeah. okay, so barely yeah. shorter. Well, all right. But uh, I feel I feel like... I don't know that I feel a sense of uh, accomplishment because I, but we're gonna get into that on on this episode. But I I feel like we we made it to somewhere. We've we've definitely made it to somewhere. Where that is, we'll try and figure out in the next I don't know however long it takes us. I I have to say I got a job as we were talking about off mic. I got a job in the last week, and therefore uh, the schedule is changing around a lot. And we had initially planned on recording this last weekend, and this movie was fresh on my brain after my yeah. second watch. Um, at our original recording date, we have now postponed, and <laughs> I, I was just, I have stepped away from this movie for the last few days, and I was just combing through my notes. It was already going to be exciting to talk through this movie with it fresh on my brain, but it will be like, double the excitement to try and decode my notes with you in real time i'm just about there with you i yeah. uh i want I, wa- I think i i usually try to get when we started i was watching them morning of recording and now i'm sort of making them making them the night before yeah. so this was the night before oh but uh, th- th- almost a week to the day yeah <laughs> but uh <laughs> you know i've seen the movie before i have some plot summaries in front of me uh i yep. have some thoughts um, That's the most important thing. Let's yeah. let's just dish let's get out into it. the thoughts. Let's get into it. Avengers, maybe you can help me out because I don't have all of this info readily available. Uh, what's the release date on that guy? This is May 4th, 2012 is the wide release. May 4th, 2012, wide release. Pulls in like a billion and a half, right? Yeah, we're 1. talking. 5. We're 5. talking. 9. Blowing previous records out of the water. We're talking big money. We're talking the world has now been changed for the good or for the bad. That's for you to decide. The world um, has changed. I can feel it in the air, <laughs> which we should talk about. Let's. Yep. Okay. So, opening, we get a gloomy voiceover, which, as you said, Max. Uh, tell the listeners what you texted me. I texted I texted Trevor as this movie started, um, getting real big Galadriel at the beginning of the Fellowship of the Rings vibes. Like, I wish I had what they actually said in front of me, but they they essentially paraphrase the beginning of the Lord of the Rings of the the world. You know, the world has changed. I can feel it in the air. The time of the the age of man has come to an end, yep. which I only can give you relatively uh, verbatim because I'm also I also just watched. All of the Lord of the Rings, um, just just finished Return of the King last week. Yes, week. but it's the same vibes, real gloomy, more villainous. But uh, yeah, same same vibes of um, why bother with explaining this all expositorily in the in the plot proper? Just yeah. pack it all get in the, the beginning. Get the uh, um, Thanos' uh, mouth of Sauron guy. Get yeah, exactly. So we open with the voice of the other. Um, who, I mean, he's not referred to as that 
at no. any point in the movie, but in all of in all of the summarizations and analyses of this film, he's called the other. And yeah, scene setting voiceover. The Tesseract has awoken. Uh, the Tesseract is on Earth, but they don't know how to use it like our ally. Speaking of Loki, I think. Loki will go to Earth and the Shatari. The Shatari is this alien race who the other is the uh, mm-hmm. ostensibly the leader of, as far as we know at this point. I didn't get that from the movie at all. I sort of... Yeah. I have a lot of issues with the, Ch- the Chitari. Uh, we can get into them that later, but... Um, yeah. I I assume the other was more of a uh, right hand man to Thanos than uh, any relate any uh, leadership relation to the Chitari. Yeah, basically, he says Loki will go to Earth. The Chitari will follow. Humans will burn, and Loki is given the staff that he will use uh, many many times throughout this throughout this film. Cut down to Earth. Uh, we are at the Shield facilities i don't know exactly where the shield facilities are but it's not important i suppose there's an evac order in process a major emergency happening at the shield facility there's been an energy surge from the tesseract fury arrives in a helicopter colson is waiting for him in shades uh it's fully nighttime um exactly the intro i would expect from phil colson we get an intro to hawkeye who we have seen previously in thor uh, to Eric Selvig, who we have also seen previously in Thor. Uh, Eric is is the scientist who has now been uh, assigned to experiment on the, yeah. on the Tesseract, essentially. Right, so the Tesseract has emitted uh, an, an unexpected surge of, of gamma energy, and um, they don't know what's happened, what's going to happen next. It's very volatile. Um, gotta get so the gamma expert. Yeah. Right. The Tesseract opens a wormhole, as it did in uh, Captain America. Let's just, real quick, let's do a rundown of the Tesseract's journey so far. So the Tesseract was the, it was the power source of Mm -hmm. the Frost Giants in... Thor. uh, Thor 1. Yes. In, in, yeah, yeah. In, uh, what's, I I can't remember what um, what their... Thor, Thor's the oh, Asgard, area Asgard and then Asgard. the Jotunheim. Sorry, it was gonna bug me. Jotunheim, thank you. Okay, how did the Tesseract get to Earth? Uh, how did the Tesseract get? I honestly am not even wasn't even sure in Thor how it got to Earth. Um, oh, it was uh-huh. on Earth in Thor. It was already on Earth. It was just introduced in the mid credit sequ- sequence where Fury presents it to uh, Selvig. But it just is found. It's just kind of found by the Red Skull. We don't really know anything about the Tesseract's journey. Yeah. Um, which yeah. leads me to well, believe that maybe tes- it's tesser- not. It may just be a different glowing blue object than the uh, Frost Giant's casket. Oh, the- is it the ca- they They call uh, it the casket, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that may just be a different blue thing, which I think... Just because of the way it's presented in Thor, the casket seems like it's got to be the Tesseract. Okay. But now that I'm saying it out loud, the yeah. t- timelines don't line up for the casket to be the Tesseract. If the casket was still in Asgard at the beginning of Thor, where the Tesseract would have been on Earth in the 40s, right. assuming that time okay. works the same in Asgard as it does in, on Earth, which right. I don't have the answers to any of those questions. Let's say... 
I mean, also the Tesseract can move through dimensional portals, so... Boy, this is complicated yeah. stuff already. I mean, okay. maybe the As maybe the Asgardians got it after. Maybe it went from this is all conjecture. Uh, the <laughs> it's all we can it do went at this point. from. Well, no, because they found it in the ocean. Yeah, be- because there's a very clear timeline. They of the Red Skull gets sucked into the Tesseract. The Tesseract falls through the plane. Into the ocean. The Tesseract is then picked up off the ocean floor. Yep. And it's very, and then it's pretty, pretty traceable directly to Fury, who then presents presents it to Selvig. Right. So I, I think the casket's a different thing. I think the casket's just a, another thing. But it's um, a, of the unless same. Unless the Tesseract can move, it's of the same stuff, right. though. Uh, the, as far as we can see, sure. it's like the 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 sort of physics of the energy of it sort of work mm-hmm. in the same way. Loki can like manipulate it in similar ways. Mm-hmm. So the Tesseract in the shield facility opens up a wormhole and loki arrives looking evil as hell god they really uh he's just so he's so clammy he's so clammy when he comes out of he, uh, yeah. whatever very very damp dimensional <laughs> pocket he was in they really they really managed to up loki's sort of evil evil quotient between the two movies which i think was necessary cuz i didn't i didn't find him to be particularly threatening threatening or imposing villain in um thor i mean he was just kind of a right not goofy schemer but like you know i wouldn't believe that he was particularly capable and i think they really um lean they really lean hard on the sort of seething malice that loki comes out of that dimensional portal yeah with. and i think it i think it that's a, a logical arc for him because, like, in the lore and the mythology and stuff, he's not necessarily evil as what well. he, you know, right. he's just, yeah, like you say, he's just a schemer and he can be sort of evil and villainous in one moment and then save the day in the next. He pretty much provide in all of the Norse story or in many of the Norse stories, he provides basically like the inciting incident as well as the resolution. But anyways, and I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see that play out a lot in future yeah. movies. I think later Loki is more true to that character that you just described okay. than this particular film, which, you know, basically leads me to believe this particular film is just just Loki blowing off some steam in a wildly destructive way till he's uh until he's forgiven. Yeah, this Thor is like his are, uh, they can patch their shit this up. is this is his teenage rebellion years. He's just acting out. Exactly. Uh, so he arrives looking evil as shit tr- uh, through the Tesseract. He uses his staff that the other gave him to to possess, essentially possess um, Hawkeye and Eric. Hawkeye, whose name is Clint Barton, by the way. thought that was very charming. <laughs> I, hate, I hate Hawkeye I in these movies. I don't hate him, but... There's nothing cool about him. Like That's true, he, but he thinks that he's very cool. He thinks he's incredibly cool. There's, there's, They sort of defang this character so hard and make him just such yeah. a dork who also yeah. thinks he's the, he's the most badass guy in the room with his, like... Um, uh, he's like on top of a scissor lift or whatever in the in in that warehouse because he's he like I want to have a full view of the room. You up in a little hawk perch, like yeah. It's <laughs> he's such a fucking dork. Like, 
and Hawkeye was a villain when he was first introduced in the comics, um, mm-hmm. which I you know so it tracks that they he's basically a villain for seventy five percent of this movie. Um, yeah, with exactly uh-huh. zero repercussions. Yeah, he was a he was like a he's like a mercenary assassin in when he's introduced in the books. Who's a vet, who eventually mm-hmm. sort of comes around. Like he's not, but. <sighs> He's a fucking dork in this movie. Also, uh, comic book Hawkeye, registered Republican. I was reading a registered Republican Marvel superheroes who are registered Republicans list right before we jumped on this. That's a whole other thing. That's good reading. Marvel superheroes have have, uh, electoral politic affiliations in the comic books. That is a real thing that they decided they needed to have. So this is like in fiction, canon... Is substantiated material. This isn't like fanfic stuff. Wow. Cool. Mm-mm. Nope. Hawkeye is a registered Republican. Captain America has been both a Republican and a Democrat, depending on which universe okay. he's in. Okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, uh, he, he, he just wants to do what's right. Yeah, yeah. Loki looks at Hawkeye, says, you have heart. So he apparently can use anybody with quote-unquote heart to uh, manipulate them to do his bidding. I think he just like I think he just likes making puns. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Because uh, he tried or he tried to do that same thing with um, with Tony later in the movie. He uh-huh. was like, you know, the thing that this heart that's keeping you alive will be your downfall. And he like ding, tries ding, to poke ding, him ding. in the chest yep. again, and it doesn't. Yeah, I think I think Loki is just. A, sh- a natural showman. Yeah, I don't. I who knows if anything. Do I think? I think Loki just likes to make puns, which honestly, relatable. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Fury gets shot. I can't remember who shoots him. Does Loki shoot him? Why does any? Why is anybody using a gun at this point? Loki. T- Loki also takes control of a couple. A couple. Um, oh, of like agents. the henchmen. Yeah. 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 Sure. So Fury gets shot. Uh, Loki takes Tesseract, and the energy of the wormhole is basically it's unstable and so the wormhole implodes on itself so mm-hmm. the shield facility collapses everybody pretty much uh all of our principals uh barely leave with their lives fury leaves on a helicopter he survives the shot obviously the oh um agent hill who this is her introduction right she she has not been i think so i was trying to remember if she had i don't think she's popped up uh in the background or anything i liked her a lot i hope we get more more she's great Uh, colby colby smothers yeah colby smolder yeah smothers i don't know um she gets in a little firefight with evil hawkeye uh but she escapes as well um in the aftermath uh, Hill, Coulson, and Fury are all are all walkie-talkie in each other, and um, Fury says, "This is a level seven. We are at war." I believe it's Hill who says, "What do we do?" Close up on Fury, uh, smizing just past the camera. You know, as the viewer, that he has an idea in his head. Bam! Title card: Avengers. That's his idea. Assemble the Avengers. It's a good idea. It's a good idea. Um, <laughs> next scene, we're in an abandoned warehouse or something. Uh, Black Widow is being interrogated. She seems to be being roughed up by a bunch of. Uh, are they Russians? Um, I think they're. I think they're generic Eastern European bloc. Got it. Yep. Ex-military, military. Uh, so it seems like a vaguely threatening situation. Turns out she's the one gathering the info 
classic switcheroo that we will again see later on in the film from Natasha. And she's just because she's such a good. She's so good at her job, which frustrates me because they continually pair her with with Hawkeye, who's such a fucking dork. Yeah, yeah, like it's true. It ju- and they have such just, like a like a blood bond, you know? Yeah, like, and I don't. He's he's dragging her down. He is. He's a he is a millstone around the neck of Natasha Romanoff's professional development and career and. It's Clint a, Barton is holding her back. He, she should have killed him. It's all should've. encapsulated in in when they're uh, in the last final giant blowout fight when they're sort of on the ground fighting all of the Chitari. And Natasha says, it's just like Budapest. And he says, you and I remember Budapest very differently. You know? Yeah, because he probably got hit in the head with a rock and was asleep or something. Yeah, like, or was like really stressed out. And she was totally yeah. cool as a cucumber because she is that's just she is just awesome she's better than him you can do better natasha uh case in point she flips the tables on her interrogators uh because phil colson gives her a call and says hey we need you right now she says right now i'm working i'm gathering intel and he says um it's like code red or something you know some 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 um emergency code sign that indicates to her that this is very important. So she ducks out of there. Uh, Coulson sends her to India to fetch Bruce Banner. And we are introduced to our new Bruce Banner, Mark Ruffalo, where he's he's basically just doctoring at uh, villages in India. And he gets lured out by a little girl under the pretenses that her father is ill, and turns out um, it was it was all a scheme to get black him in a conversation with Black Widow, and she recruits him for the Avenger Initiative. Back at Shield, well, not at Shield because Shield no longer exists, but um, wherever Shield is, op- well, I guess this is probably on the Helicarrier, which we will mm-hmm. which we will uh, get to later, but. Fury is in a dark room talking to some shadow council on a big screen, very like V for Vendetta, very, I mean, we've seen this trope a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, all of these these powerful white politicians uh, covered by shadow uh, doling out orders from afar. And they- I mean, I think it's probably the UN Security Council, honestly. But I mean, surely the UN Security Council doesn't operate in, in such ominous shadows. Get some lighting in that room. I mean, you know, they it was pre-ring light. They're not ominous. They're just poorly lit. <laughs> Fury tells the council that he wants to assemble the Avengers. The council treats the Avengers essentially like mutants. Uh, like, why would you call on a bunch of freaks, I believe, um, mm-hmm. is, is their terminology. Uh, in such a dire situation, Fury says that they just need the right push. They are volatile, but... With a little motivation, Fury has faith that they can defend whatever situation, whatever peril the world is currently in. Cut to... Sorry, did you have something to say? I, Thor is not part of the Avengers. In like Correct. can can like he he couldn't have been part of the plan. So like who who are they mad about? Like I guess Banner because. Tony's a regular dude with a with a machi- with a 
a suit of armor. Yeah. Natasha is a, is a, their agent just, and very just a very yeah. skilled human being. Yeah. So they should be very thankful for her. I guess they're just mad about Bruce. <laughs> this is like this is a good point. Captain America, like Captain America, is also a government. Yeah. Uh, essentially government property and, like, and a goddamn national treasure right like what are these guys <laughs> mad about like you're you're right that it's absolutely the way they would react to like you know they 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 play uh like literal mutants like the x-men in yeah. the marvel universe which they don't have the rights to at this point in time right. so right um but like what are they mad about like the weirdest member of the avengers isn't even meant isn't even part of the plan right now because right. he's in another dimensional plane feasibly trapped on the other dimensional plane but we'll get to that um <clears throat> uh, yeah this is a I great think, point yeah. They're, they're, they're pushing back for it seems like they're pushing back just to push back totally and just just as a I mean they're pushing back as a plot device yeah so there's so much checking boxes in the beginning of this movie I mean throughout mm-hmm. this movie right yeah but look say what you will about Joss Whedon he's good at checking boxes I mean he's great at checking yeah, boxes yeah you can you can unpack it you can dissect it you can pull it apart like this and it doesn't exactly withstand scrutiny but I will. I'll just say flat out. I, I mean, I had an incredibly enjoyable time watching this movie. The yeah. all of the existential peril that I have felt up until this point was pretty much gone. I mean, the first my first watch, I was like, "This is first of all batshit crazy, and second of all, I'm very much enjoying myself." It, on the second watch, when I actually had a my iPad in front of me and was tasked with parsing out plot points, that's when I was like. This is too much information. This movie holds up to almost no scrutiny. Yeah, yeah. Information comes at you so fast, and and it's so piecemealed that like, and it and either couched in as we've talked about many times before, like a quip or a joke or a one liner mm-hmm. or something. I mean, there were so many times where I was like, wait, what? What did they just say? And I would have to rewind because I know it's a crucial prop plot point i'm like how do we get from point a to point b here i would rewind it watch it again rewind i you know i'd watch it three or four times and it was like i I still just don't understand it Mm -hmm. but i guess that's not uh what we're i guess that's not what our our butts are in these seats for this movie for so we are at the gym captain america is uh doing some heavy punching on a bag and we get a classic previously on sequence uh it basically where it flashes through the entire captain america film in his brain this, this is also the entirety of the captain america post-credit sequence isn't it exactly yeah they really short us shorted us on that on that post-credit sequence in retrospect they really did i mean it must it, it's got last minute deadline energy where they're like shit we yeah. got to get this movie out tomorrow like like, hey, Paul, you got that that post credits done? And he's like, oh, f- oh, shit. And, you know, he just like cut a part out of the Avengers and th- he threw it into Captain America. And I mean, I'm, I'm on this pod. I'm on record on this podcast as uh, sort of being over the post credit sequence. But I guess the only thing I like less than a post credit sequence is a post credit sequence that is really just a preview. <laughs> Just don't tack it. Don't tack a trailer into my post-credit sequence. I agree. Give me a meaningless quip. The only thing worse than a post-credit sequence is something else that is masquerading as a post-credit sequence. Exactly. So here we get the post-credit sequence from Captain America mid-film in Avengers. But Nick Fury shows up and we we 
get to see the rest of the scene. Fury is recruiting, recruiting Cap, and Cap is very ambiguous about it. He doesn't necessarily say um, say that he will. He doesn't commit to the project, but you know, I mean, he's a government. He, he he's he's uh he's Captain America. Of course, he's gonna. <laughs> yeah, help. I kind of get the sense that regardless of whether or not he's stoked about it, it like what is he gonna do? Like, That's it, the energy. It, he's like he's yeah. not stoked about anything right now. He's pissed to be here. He's he's uh, he's bummed about you know having fallen in love with Agent Carter and then uh, suddenly woken up seventy years in the future. It's understandable. I'd be mad about it too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's it's very much the energy of like I'm not happy about it, but I'll do it because he's a good soldier. He is. You know, he's the best soldier. That's all he knows. I have a note. This is. Cap is a uh, gusting hard, and I know that that's a typo, and I just wish for the life of me I could remember what I was trying to say because surely it was of the utmost importance. Grunting? Yeah, I don't know. He's really hitting that heavy bag. I don't know. That's true. That's true. Anyways, Tony Stark. Hello. Uh, intro Tony Stark. Uh, installing an arc reactor that it, the first, it'll power the new Stark Tower. Uh, right in the center of Manhattan. So Stark Tower is completely run on sustainable energy. Congrats, Tony. Congrats, Stark Industries. Major breakthrough. As far as I can tell, it's where the Chrysler building is. I was wondering that. It's like directly above Grand Central. Sure. I wonder how they got that plot of land. It's pretty impressive. But I'm just... I'm, I'm insufferably always trying to trying to locate things when they're actually using New York City. Yeah. So it's a good place. It's a good place for this movie because I don't think there's all that all that much great about the e- about East Midtown. So they could use a they could use a Stark whatever. Tower. Yeah, Phil. After incessantly trying to call Tony and Tony uh, is is won't take his call because he's got a date with Pepper Potts. Uh, Phil shows up at Stark Tower and and he says, "This is an emergency. We need your consulting." because that's what you were committed to doing for the Avengers Initiative is being a consultant. So he basically hands over all the research that they have on the Tesseract and on the Avengers to Tony. And so that's Tony's homework to uh, study up, report back in the morning, uh, cut to a, a cargo plane, shield bound. Uh, Coulson and Cap are being transported to the helicarrier and Phil fanboys over Cap a little bit. Uh, we get a little bit of um, Phil Coulson sort of shedding the the suit, as it were. Mm-hmm. We see a little bit of Phil Coulson, the human, which will serve to deepen our empathy <laughs> later, on, later on in this movie. It definitely does. It also requires some weird character work with, with Steve to be kind of an asshole. Like, it, in a way that he... And I guess it's still relatively recent after him sort of coming to, and I get, and it's, I guess, believable that he'd be a little maybe distracted coming to terms in a modern world. But like, it plays a little odd um, that that Captain uh, Captain America is like sort of giving him the brush off when like everything about his how he was in the forties was he was just a super sincere. Yeah. I, I think I kept using the word just like in, the inherent decency of Steve Rogers, yeah. and I don't blame. I like I don't I don't. I'm definitely understanding that like he's a little out of sorts being um, 
essentially transported 70 years in the future, but, yeah. like, it requires so much aloofness of his character to to sort of, de- like, to make this this whole arc work. Yeah. Um, it makes sense. And for him to sort of give give Coulson the brush off that I, I thought... It's not unbelievable, but it is... I think it is... It always gave me a little bit of pause, and I'm like... Oh, yeah. you, feels like you know you sort of wrote yourself into a corner with this one agreed it it makes sense just like at from one human being to another it's like oh he's you know he's just playing the like exhausted celebrity but you're right again when you start to scrutinize it a bit it doesn't hold up with his character um even if he is still sort of freshly agitated from waking up in the yeah. future. He's had no he's had no time to become an exhausted celebrity because he's thing. Yeah. as far as I can tell he's been in government you know he's been living in government housing uh since you know since however long it's been since yeah. since he regained consciousness uh right. he, he he hasn't exactly been a public he's he hasn't been a public figure at all like Right. And even even from, in his time he basically went overseas and became a soldier when he reached his peak public mm-hmm. figure celebrity. So even in that time period, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have become, you know, cynical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I agree. In any case, Phil is a huge Captain America fan. We are now in space. Uh, I guess Loki can travel there in his mind. I don't exactly know how that works, but uh, I I buy it. Um, Loki on Earth basically closes his eyes, and then he's in space at a meeting with the other. The other says that the Shataris are growing impatient, and then we get a reference to some larger enemy, some greater villain than the other for the first time. Mm-hmm. The other is at the servitude of somebody else. So that's info for us. Back down to Earth on the helicarrier, which for as far as we know is just an aircraft carrier right now. They land on an aircraft carrier. Uh, Bruce Banner, Captain America, and Widow, Black Widow, meet for the first time. Big moment. Okay, Bruce Banner. Uh, I can't remember what Cap says about him. Uh, he says like the word the word the word about you is that you are at something like about his intellect or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Bruce's response is, is that the only word about me? Um, my note was Bruce continues to worry about himself. This is my my big thing about Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner is that in my brain I could picture I mean I think Mark Ruffalo is an amazing actor. And yeah, totally and um before like when we were talking about Hulk portrayals before, I just couldn't picture in my brain Mark Ruffalo not being a better Bruce Banner than Edward Norton. I like Edward Norton a lot as well, but I don't know, there's something in like the angst and sort of brooding anger of his Bruce Banner that I just was like sort of bleh about. But Ruffalo, on the other hand, is like so self-pitying all the time. 100%. And I think that's really what I was trying to say that I like about Norton is that like, the whole point, like the 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 character, is so angst is like so angsty and sure. o- always deeply worried about the the Hulk transformation. But he's not particular, and but he's he's super solution oriented and like yeah. not super woe is me. And like 
Mark Ruffalo's portrayal is just like kind of just like, oh, I'm a nice guy. And like this terrible thing happened to me and like, oh, everything. I'm kind of a bummer. Like he's just such he's such a Charlie Brown about about (laughs) his his lot in life. And like like you said, Mark Ruffalo is an incredible actor. I enjoy his his portrayal. And I think he's a good Hulk. Yeah. I think his early banner is uh, I think it gets better as the character develops and they sort of work it. But I think um his banner in this movie is just kind of like he's just, he's just kind of so he seems sort of just like a hapless guy who just like things happen to like yeah and he also happens to be a like brilliant scientific mind who like right he's the victim of everything and then yeah. and whereas i feel like the i i don't know bruce banner as a as a sort of the source character as thoroughly as you do, but it sounds like he's a very pragmatic, uh, very, like you say, solution-oriented guy, whereas Ruffalo's... Pragmatic, er- like, arrogant, like, he's... Yeah. he's. Whereas Ruffalo's he, problem-solving yeah. is all in the form of, like, uh, I don't I don't know, I get, try this, you know? Yeah. It's like he has the answers, but you've got to sift through all these layers of, like you said, woe is me, to get there. And I don't know if whiny is the right word, but he's but it's that energy. Yeah, he's just like he's a real bummer. He's a real bummer. Every single line I would I I mean, I can't substantiate this. I I, I don't have proof of this, but I would bet that every line that he has, at least for the first the front half of this movie somehow references his impending transformation. Right. It's mm-hmm. like in a way that's like either threatening or self-pitying or, you know, it's it's very self-important. <laughs> and I yeah. know I mean, that's how he's treated by many of the characters, because the Hulk is a colossally dangerous figure. But it's he's it's like a werewolf in this movie. Yeah. You know, he's 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 very much, you know, stay away from me like I'm. You know, I'm this damaged, uncontrollable thing. Whereas, like Norton, Norton was like an active badass. Like yeah. he was like doing, like he had like that. He was doing, I, let's say judo. I don't remember jujitsu. I think it was jujitsu yeah. training yeah. when he was in Brazil. Like he was. I believe that Norton could have kicked, like could have kicked some ass as Banner. I don't believe that uh, Ruffalo yeah. could yeah. as Banner, which is interesting because. Ruffalo's a much large, like Ruffalo is a larger person. He's a burly than, guy, yeah, uh, yeah. He's a, he's he exactly. He's a burly dude, yeah. and which Norton is a pretty like skinny, weird little dude. Like he's a little wiry guy. Which I also I think there's more of a uh, a physical contrast between Norton and Hulk mm-hmm. um, than Ruffalo and Hulk because I think. The way, you know, just sort of the this boxy stockiness of Ruffalo just sort of expands in every direction. Yeah. When he, like, he, like, it's almost as like he's taking a, a huge breath and inflating into the Hulk. Yeah. Whereas, like, Norton is really, like, popping joints and, like. Totally. It's, it's more of a grotesque transformation yeah. with, with yeah. Norton. There's nothing, like, there's nothing wrong with Ruffalo. Yeah. I, I'm always going to really prefer uh, the, the Norton yeah. portrayal of, of, and it's really just Banner. I actually like Ruffalo as Hulk. Yeah, I, and I'm I'm conflicted about it because I feel like 
with Norton, I feel like as a self-contained, so my general summary is mm-hmm. that with Norton, as a self-contained Bruce Banner, I think he's better. But as like in dialogue, moment to moment with with other actors in the story, I like Ruffalo much more. Like you know, Ruffalo's just such an Definitely. engaged and actor. They g- and they give him. I mean, it's an entirely different kind of movie as well. Yeah, like yeah, it's right. it's you know, R- Ruffalo's Hulk is is explicitly written to be in a team. Yeah. You know, of and I don't and you know, the character has never appeared since this movie in a in a solo movie and is always um a supporting character in every every single one of his appearances. So this, you know, this Hulk has very much been been shaped into a team player. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Which is a weird thing for the Hulk to be. It is. It, it'll be interesting to see if they have any if they have any solo Hulk projects in the works. Do you have any information mm-hmm. on that? I feel like we talked about I this don't. like first episode or something, but I yeah, I don't I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. Um, well, but I'm I've never I I I'm not great at keeping up with all the release dates and such. How can one? It's I know there's impossible. a She-Hulk there's a She-Hulk right. series, I think in the pipeline uh live action disney plus yeah okay so cool i think that's his that's his cousin who gets a blood transfusion from him and uh then she becomes a lady hulk keep it in the family she's she's a lawyer i think she's still a practicing lawyer while being a lady hulk (laughs) um it's a whole thing i love this i feel like every story you've told me of like in fiction other hulk characters it's like it's all a process of integrating hulk figures into normal society yeah, that's a hundred percent. That's a hundred percent what it is. I mean, there's there's uh, lawyer Lady Hulk. There's uh, alternate Banner Hulk that went into space and now rules uh, rules a gladiator planet. Like um, Phil Dunphy Hulk. I, th- I think at the end of the world there is only Hulk. Like there's like an alternate history comic where um, when Banner dies, like it's it's just like this very like old like wrinkled old man sitting at the edge of a cliff. Yeah. And like the, it's like the last panel is this zoom out on this old, on like it's very like Godfather three, like Michael sitting in the courtyard, like and he dies, yeah. and then the next panel is the Hulk, like as you know, as in, there's only as, Hulk now that Banner, right, right, yeah, like the Hulk survives because Banner died. It's so is the Hulk gonna live forever? Is that the implication? Uh, is the Hulk I think immortal? That's the implica- yeah, I think the implication is that the Hulk is immortal. Yikes. Let's stop talking about the Hulk. I can, <laughs> the Hulk is super under. But last thing, the Hulk, Hulk is super underpowered in these movies compared to but, comic book Hulk. Which is comic crazy. Book Hulk, comic book Hulk has no upper limit Wow. To, to any of his powers in his like base green form. I think gray Hulk has an upper limit. Yeah. Like That's why Hulk is. Yeah, but that's wild, wild because because he still in this movie is treated as like the ultimate weapon. They they soften him up sort of as as uh, in future movies as Banner sort of becomes more yeah. able to control Hulk, which I actually think there is precedent in the there is like a a a, a more Banner Banner forward Hulk that is slightly less powerful than like the the full like yeah. out of control id of this Hulk. That makes um, sense. The more the more he in, loses yeah. himself anyway. in the Hulk. The more the more powerful the Hulk is. Okay, so exactly. the aircraft carrier flies. We learn that the aircraft carrier is the heli carrier. Cool. Um, they're all sort of brought up to speed on where they're at, where we need to go from here as far as the Tesseract mission. Uh, Banner gives them 
a strategy to find the Tesseract, which of course he treats it, it's like a no brainer for him. He's like, well, have you tried this? And they're like, uh, no, we haven't tried that. Immediately locate, oh, this is another blurry p- plot point. <laughs> they, they use like gamma radiation triangulation in order to find the Tesseract, but they find Loki instead. Oh, maybe they, it, maybe it's his staff. I don't know. I so okay. I, I think that's what I assume. <clears throat> I don't know. It's all it how Where is the Tesseract at this the point? The Tesseract at this point would be At one point I thought it was in Loki's staff, but I think Loki's staff is powered by the Tesseract in the same way the yeah. Hydra weapons were, so Yeah, I guess that's we don't what they're know tracking. What the Tesseract is. I assume yeah, I assume the Tesseract is with the other. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. they somehow all end up in Germany. In uh, Stuttgart, is that the name? Yep. Stuttgart, yeah, it's like a the Met Gala, the German Met Gala. Where Hawkeye gains access to a stockpile of iridium. Right, because he rips out the guy's eye. Horrific. So that, uh... (laughs) Like, there must be a better way to do this. I think this is, like, the most visceral violence in any of these movies, is, like, that, like claw forceps yep. that he pops the dude's eye out with so that Barton can so he can 3D 3D map it for Barton like and geez. then it cuts to Barton where you can see basically the hologram of the eye and the eyes like mm-hmm. bent, darting around that's that's out of a different like that's out of a, a, a minority report or like totally. some some sort of like real Philip K Dick like fucked up sci-fi movie that these movies are never going to yeah. be yeah. I mean, it's effective. They got the eye. So, yeah. oh, uh, I liked it. so they get a bunch of iridium, which is a substance that they need to stabilize the wormhole that the Tesseract creates. Because without it, as we saw earlier, the wormhole can implode on itself and cause a bunch of damage. This is such a weird scene. We It's basically just like all of our principles soapboxing about their their grander theses as characters mm-hmm. essentially so loki makes all of the fleeing humans from this uh gala he makes them all stop and kneel before him um because he's a showman as we talked about he it's very important that he not only establishes power but that everybody sees that he has power so he makes everyone kneel and one brave old fellow Decides to defy Loki, stand up, and is that someone? The actor, like that, that guy. Yeah, that guy looks like someone. Not that I know of. And like, I think they sh- they probably should have made it a Stanley cameo. Yeah. Like, Wait, what? What was? Oh, Stanley's cameos in the in the very final montage. Superheroes in New York, get out of oh, here! Yeah, he said they're they're the Stanley cameo game has gone downhill as phase one has progressed, I would say. Definitely. And it gets better. I think, well, I don't know. I, there's like one good one uh, where they de-age it, where they de-age Stanley so hard that I was surprised it wasn't uh, Mark oh, Maron. <laughs> um, I it genuinely, they de-age Stanley to like his mid forties. It looks exactly That's like shocking. Mark Maron. We'll get, to, I, th- I think it's in Captain Marvel. Okay. We'll get there. I think that was the last Stanley cameo right before right. he died. But yeah, like the Stanley cameos are are I mean, none of them. Like you you could give the guys like something to do like this like guy who won't kneel 
um, who that actor looked like he was a, a character actor that maybe I should know. Yeah. But I... And in any case, he basically sta- it's this is very much like a I feel like Joss Whedon's like, well, I can't be too cynical about this film. I got to have one guy stand up and say something to the effect of like I, he says something like, let's see, it doesn't matter. Um, Captain America shows up and <laughs> He says, you know, the last time I was in Germany I, and saw a man standing above everybody else, we ended up disagreeing. Uh, a fight ensues. Iron Man shows up. He overrides a fighter jet's PA system in order to play ACDC upon his arrival. Boss <laughs> move me. by Tony Stark. <laughs> God. ACDC must have made so much money Truly. off these movies. Yeah, good for, good them. for them. Like, I hope, I hope it really keeps him in short pants and, like, <laughs> schoolboy blazers. Uh, Loki is captured, albeit too easily. Okay, so they've got uh, they've got Loki in a plane. They're taking him to the helicarrier, and Thor shows up. So the last we heard of Thor in the in the final moments of Thor's film, he had destroyed the Bifrost, which cut off his passage to Earth. That was like the whole stakes of the final moment of and the romance of the Thor film. Granted, they left it open to the possibility of him getting back to Earth. You know, uh, Loki had mm-hmm. implied earlier that there's always a way. But it right. really bugged like, me think- that he just showed up on Earth. They, they, they sort of justify it in the next scene when Loki says that Odin conjured him here. And it's like, like obviously, if that's a possibility, Thor must have known all along that that was a possibility. It just... I mean, Loki makes it seem like it would have pushed push Odin's powers to the limit, but it's, you know, it's sort of, what was the point of, you know, hinting that there are back back entrances to Asgard if you're just going to have your, your father wish Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know, maybe it's too much, maybe it's too much work for Odin, maybe it sent him into another deep sleep. <laughs> Anyways, Thor arrives, takes Loki, and they have a bit of a standoff argument. Iron Man then intervenes, gets in a fight with Thor. Cap shows up to arbitrate the situation. Turns out Thor's lightning powers power up the Iron Man suit. That's cool. Then, okay, let's talk about this shield. When Thor takes like an all-out charge-up hammer strike and Cap blocks it with his shield, base it takes all of Thor's energy and sends it back into his hammer and blows returns the force of his blow Mm -hmm. that was a hard moment for me i literally shouted into the void i was like what you you so okay i know that they say (sighs) captain america's shield is the most is the most powerful artifact in these movies because because he can literally do whatever whatever they want in the moment this is a hard pill for me to swallow there's no logic to captain america's shield because like yeah, you're you're, you're going to say like they they talk about how it's a uh, all it absorbs vibration. all vibrations yeah. and then spends all of uh, all of the rest of Captain America resonating and bouncing <laughs> off things and then this one it yeah it was I I had forgotten about the explicit comment that it absorbs all vibrations so when this moment first occurred I was legitimately angry about it I was like there's no fucking way that that Cap's shield is more powerful than Thor as an entire and entirely divine entity. 
And then I remembered that that comment about the shield, and I was like, you know, it was just sort of an eye roll, like, okay, fine. It was a fine moment. I mean, we're we're like two steps away from making Captain America uh, a Jesus-like figure. Uh, yeah, for sure. He's he's messianic. He's a superhero. I mean, he he has been reborn. Let's keep going. It is a tightrope walk as the creator of this story. The ever-evolving dialogue of each superhero's importance, because you can't make each superhero too important, more important than the others, and you can't make any of the superheroes obsolete next to the others in the Avengers. So I don't envy the task, but I'm going to get mad about it sometimes. I think Uh, you should. Cool. Stay mad. Will do. Uh, We're on the helicarrier. The Avengers confer... Thor informs them of Loki and the Shatari. They need a huge power source to activate the Tesseract and uh, Iridium to stabilize the portal once it's open. This we know. Tony tells Banner and Cap that he doesn't trust Nick Fury. There's a little bit of back and forth dialogue here. Banner is in agreement. Cap, again, sticking to his guns. He's been tasked with a mission. He's going to stick to it. He's not going to nitpick about it. But... They make him a little suspicious, so he does a little bit of investigating on his own. Tony hacks into S.H.I.E.L.D. intelligence. Cap basically just like breaks into their weapons warehouse and does some, some good old-fashioned investigation. They discover that um, S.H.I.E.L.D. is in fact using Tesseract technology to build weapons of mass destruction. Meanwhile, Natasha pulls her classic switcheroo move on Loki. She she confronts Loki and pretends to sort of let him in, let him manipulate her and guilt her about her past. And uh, in turn, she she learns that he's planning to use Hulk to basically destroy the Avengers from the inside out. We get a little standoff uh, with all of the principals once they all realize S.H.I.E.L.D.'s intentions. Do you think anyone told Captain America how World War II ended, that we dropped uh, two... Uh- atom bombs on japan like this is a good question his his moral outrage at using the uh tesseract technology to build weapons feels like maybe no one's given him a uh, sort of a a thorough catch-up on what has happened (laughs) since he went under yeah but i mean even in like a bullet point that that would sort of be the top headline you know i he must have had a yeah a killer debriefing when he woke up in the year 2012 2011 whenever it was that's a lot of material to cover they probably were just like go take like an ap u.s history class god this scene is so colossal this set piece of the helicopter carrier so much takes place in this scene uh you might have to intervene because i'm just trying to weed through notes so the principles all yeah so they all land on the information substantiate the information that the Tesseract technology is being used uh, to create weapons of mass destruction. Fury defends himself by saying that when Destroyer arrived on Earth in the Thor film, um, S.H.I.E.L.D. realized that they were grossly under underarmed. Mm-hmm. And so this is a classic if we don't, then they will argument, right? Like, a, well, if we don't mm-hmm. weapon up, if we don't arm up like this then um, we are um, in danger. We are at risk because there's obviously bigger threats out there than 
we previously knew. Uh, there's a big blood argument, lots of contention among the Avengers. Banner admits that he once tried to kill himself, tried to put a bullet in his own head, and the Hulk spit it out. Mm-hmm. Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye, our man. Giant giant fucking dork. Giant fucking dork, Clint Barton. He, although good with an arrow, as it turns out, uh, he shows up in a in a a plane with a bunch of other possessed soldiers, and he bombs one of the helicarriers for propellers. So we are now in high stakes first battle territory, first of of the two mm-hmm. major set pieces of this film, arguably. Cap and Iron Man are tasked with patching up the engine. In the chaos of the explosion, Bruce and Natasha fall through the floor into some sort of like bot- underground maintenance, maintenance area. Maintenance yeah, exactly. deck, yeah. And uh, <laughs> the the stress of it all, of course, Bruce's heart rate goes up and he hulks out. He chases Natasha around that floor a little bit. Thor intervenes, um, arguably saves Natasha's life. And Thor and Bruce uh, duke it out. Uh, pretty even matchup. I liked that fight a lot. Uh, so Fury engages the the jets on the helicarrier to to take out the Hulk because at this point he's incredibly dangerous to absolutely everybody on board. Mm-hmm. And in so doing, the Hulk actually basically tackles a fighter jet out of the air and falls to Earth. So he's out of the picture. Uh, Hawkeye infiltrates the bridge of the helicarrier and with another exquisite arrow shot, um, takes out their computer system and uh, shuts down another engine. So at this point, the helicarrier is losing altitude fast. Everybody is in a lot of danger. So you need a break from all this plot. How about a weird little beat to reset your brain? While you're here, you may as well visit our home base at impradio.net, right? And don't forget to like, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, and find the nearest rooftop and shout to the world about how much you love us. Much obliged. Okay, here's what's happening. Thor finds Loki. Trapped in the Hulk cage. I don't know if I specified that earlier. They put Loki in this giant, basically indestructible glass-like cage um, that it was intended for the Hulk in case he hulks out. So it's pretty powerful stuff. And Thor finds Loki. Loki pulls a classic fake Loki hologram trick on Thor. Uh, He's standing in front of the doorway of the open chamber. Thor tackles him. And, but it's a fake Loki, so he just phases out. And Loki says verbatim, literally, the first thought that popped into my head in this moment, which is, are you ever not going to fall for that? So he traps Thor in in this chamber. Uh, but Coulson arrives with a weapon built on technology that they based on the Destroyer. So it's... Yeah, it looks good. I thought this gun looked It's really cool. cool. Uh I think, and also think it looks exactly like the. I mean, it looks exactly like the destroyer. It looks. I, the gun was cool. I thought they did a great job in the design yeah, of this. Yeah, same. Job. And uh, and damn it, Coulson looks good with it. But alas, Loki bests him. They got Coulson. R.I.P. to a, a, a an Avenger fave. 
but he gets one one more good shot in before he dies. Anyways, Loki sends Thor plummeting down to the ground in the Hulk cage, and he just barely escapes since his his quote unquote flying is contingent upon uh, being able to throw his hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, the the sort of chaos of uh, of a being enclosed in in a space that is you know rotating and throwing him every which way he's um uh almost not able to to bust himself out of there before it hits the ground but he does of course okay cut to uh hawkeye finds black widow and a little fight scene ensues of course natasha kicks his ass because as previously stated She's much better than he is. She's a, she's much better yeah. at her job than he is. And also, apparently, all it takes to revert Hawkeye's like magic magic spell is to knock just him hit out. him in the head. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Sure. Uh, yeah, she knocks him out, and he's he's uh, he he Loki loses his power over him. Loki, of course, escapes. Coulson, with his dying words, he claims his own martyrdom. Essentially, uh, he's like, he's like, sir, sir, don't worry. They needed something to pull them together. <sighs> Dies. <laughs> I think he was gonna say they needed something to avenge, and they cut, and they, 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 they kill him before yeah, they can say it. I think that's, I think that's that what would the be better writing and... than what I just did in my head for sure. I mean, it's 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 corny as <laughs> shit, but I mean, it, it, it. I think it works as because they kill it. They they have him die before he right. can actually say they need they needed something, someone right. to avenge. Right. In the course of all this, of course, Tony and Cap did their job and started the propeller back up, and so the the helicarrier is back in flight. Although it is, you know, the worst for wear. I mean, impressive that you can just kind of push start. The helicarrier, like, just pop it, into, <laughs> pop it into neutral. It'll be fine. Get it going downhill. Uh, and, and you think they shot all of the Tony, the Tony helmet scenes at once? Like, what? You mean the inside you, the helmet is, scenes? Yeah, I like I did. just, I like found myself really thinking about like what the what the setup was for shooting all of the inside the yeah. helmet scenes. Like, it just there, they had to be just like one day is just all the inside the helmet like essentially voiceover yeah. like voiceover work with with a camera like yeah exactly right yeah i mean i'll all so much of how this universe works is how to consolidate expenditures right and then you don't need uh robert downey jr on set for the next week because exactly. he, he's not in exactly. that suit he might be. I don't know. He might do. Like similarly, I wonder, or I wonder what Sam Jackson's workload was like in all of the previous. This is the first movie in which he's like had anything to do. Essentially, I know. I know. Later, as sort of they 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 streamlined the the Marvel machine. Like they don't even shoot these movies. I mean, obviously they don't, they don't shoot any movies in order. But like they they don't even shoot these movies. The movies uh, in order. Like they. They basically I shoot them all as one the, enormous film. Exactly. Yeah. Did you did you watch Favreau, John Favreau's, um, his like his not not chef but like the cooking show the he chef did show? based no, on not. Chef. Gwyneth Paltrow is a mm. guest on that at one point, Lovely. and this is sort of post. I think this is sort of in like the lull after the Marvel lull after Endgame. So sometimes it's sometimes last two years, and I think Favreau Favreau references one of the Avengers, one of like the later Avengers movie movies 
or possibly Spider-Man. And Gwyneth Paltrow was like, I don't think we were in that one. And he's like, no, we were. <laughs> like, and She just shows up when I feel they like, and it, you, man. <laughs> exactly. Like, and... Uh, I think, yeah, she's like, I'm not, I wasn't in Spider-Man. And he's like, no, you were. hilarious. Uh, And it, I, and I feel like at the time, like the, the clip circulated around that was like, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is an airhead, but it's like, no, like they just shoot these movies so chopped up and like piecemeal that they're working on four movies at once. They're like, she doesn't know what the, like she's got the pages. She stands and delivers. And then she, you know, she goes home and runs Goop and collects a billion dollar paycheck. Like, it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter how they make these right. movies anymore. Like, they're they're so, uh, auto. It, they're so um, streamlined and f- streamlined. Um, Henry Ford, the assembly Model T, line. yeah, assembly yeah, yeah. line. <laughs> they're so assembly line uh, and so ruthlessly yeah. efficient that it doesn't matter if you know what right. movie you're in. It's gonna, it's gonna be, gonna fine. be fine. You can say the you can say the words, and they're and gonna, gonna make get it that work. paycheck. It's truly like mercenary, efficient filmmaking. But like, it mostly yeah. works. Like these movies are pretty are all pretty watchable. Whether or not anyone in them has any idea what movie they're making, <laughs> totally. And I feel like this this movie um, is the first one in which all they're firing on all, on all cylinders for the Marvel machine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that I haven't seen the rest of. Of where it goes after this, obviously, but it's a it's it's not a false start, but it is a sort of a stutter start. It's an it's an early peak, okay. I would say. So there's yeah. there's gonna be there's gonna be some there's gonna continue to be some the, missteps. The graph doesn't but, go steeply uphill continuously after this. I mean, I th- in my mind, Thor two. Oh sure, but maybe I'm gonna I'm I'm prepared still prepared to love Thor two. Yeah. If, if we're really just going to spend all this time with, like, non- nonsense dark elves. <laughs> I'm ready for that, too. Thor has surprised us once. Uh, I'm happy to let him do it again. But let's get through the Avengers first okay. before we can get to... Yeah. So, Stark and Cap and Fury are sitting solemnly in the bridge of the helicarrier after all of this death and destruction has just occurred. And Nick Fury, in a strangely manipulative move, we learn later he has taken the Captain America trading cards out of Coulson's locker and covered them with blood, I guess, and tosses them at Cap in this moment as as an incentive to be like, this guy died for you. Are you going to go avenge him? Like, are you going to go, are you going to go get justice on his death? I mean, it's like, it seems like it was probably enough that that Loki and all of these soldiers just almost destroyed the helicarrier, killed a bunch of other people. Uh, the the whole group, the, the whole group, the whole mission is in disarray. It's like, did we need this little detail? <laughs> uh, and whose blood is that? Like, yeah, did, that, did, did Fury like what? go back to Coulson's body and just like collect a little bit? It's very macabre. Yeah, it was a little. It's it was too much. In any case, it, it works. I think it would have worked without the cards, but it works anyways. Yeah, but they, I feel like they set up, they spent so much time setting up these cards. Yeah. Like, it was real, real Chekhov's collectible exactly. cards. Somewhere on the ground, we actually learned in a deleted scene that this scene takes place in New Jersey. Uh, the Hulk lands in, like, on a landfill or something. Um, and we get an amazing Harry Dean Stanton cameo. 
Loved every moment of it. Right? Like he's so good. What? He's he's exactly the complete eccentric that can sell this scene. Any normal human being, I would like I'd be like, you are saying insane things that no person would say, but that is Harry Dean Stanton. So I was Yeah, I was totally in it. Um he's a security guard who sees the Hulk land. Um and uh and Joss Whedon just at some point was just like you know what we got to get Harry Dean Stanton to yeah. just be a just be weird like they, in the in the deleted scene that I just mentioned it's cuz later on Banner shows up in Manhattan during the the big blowout fight on a motorcycle right, shows up on the on the, on and the motorcycle I, I'm like I have so many questions right <laughs> like what 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 how'd you get here Bruce uh this deleted scene answers all of those questions but admittedly it takes it too far with the with the harry dean stanton sagely wisdom you know trope and so i see why they cut it it's right that they did anyways hulk landed in new jersey and he uh wakes up back on the helicarrier uh hawkeye wakes up too and they have some weird mysterious uh backstory banter but zero reaper like just they they don't even think about like maybe we don't bring hawkeye for the rest of this mission yeah. like she like natasha just gives i think is it she just like gives fury a nod or cap or captain america a nod she's like yeah he's fine it's, now it's cap- like i hit him in the head yeah. he's fine like it's, and i hated it but i think it's just because i hate i hate hawkeye that i do and i think he's useless that she's just like yeah no he's cool He's cool. Because apparently he's, he's the now. only person who can fly a helicopter, I think, is what is what uh, or, or their cargo planes or something like I that. I bet I bet Tony could do it. That's what I'm saying. I mean, there's that that Whatever. horrible line earlier where um, some somebody somebody says to Tony, like, when did you become an astrophysicist? And Tony was like, last night. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we get it. You're smart. They could find a heli- they could find a cargo plane pilot. Like, yeah, they don't. For need, sure. They don't need Barton. Where? was i so hawkeye is on the team now he's 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 conscious he uh his head his headache is gone from being bashed over the head and he's up to speed oh i've got the line written here that confused me so when when natasha was pretending to be manipulated by loki there was this that weird talk about having read in her ledger mm-hmm. you know about having some tainted past but the whole conceit of that moment is that she's pretending to be affected by Loki so that she can extract information from him. But now, here in this moment, she tells Barton, I've been compromised. I've got red in my ledger. I'd like to wipe it out. I don't. I mean, cares? either she really just. She is so, you know, good at her job that she can. That whether or not Loki was, Loki was telling the truth, she just doesn't give a shit. Or can mm. compartmentalize to the. I I sort of read it as she can compartmentalize to the point where, sure, like Loki may have been trying to manipulate her with with facts, and she's just psychologically broken enough that she's like, well, okay, that's fine. Uh, I can pretend that I'm crying, and then right. So so he actually was like, yeah, spitting some truth. Maybe but she, she didn't does let it feel bad about it. Moment. Um, yeah, but okay, I'll buy it. 
Tony, okay, so then we get a little Cap and Tony back and forth where Tony is reckoning with his selfish nature. He doesn't understand why Coulson would have sacrificed himself. It's just baffling to him. It's confounding. Um, and it's this is a classic principles arguing, which leads one of them to to the sort of main realization that takes us to the next next set piece. And it's sort of half-baked, but whatever. Tony, in the course of this argument, realizes that Loki, being a showman, needs a, a great grand stage um, so that wherever they're going to open this wormhole, wherever they're going to use the Tesseract, it's going to be someplace that's going to draw a lot of attention. And of course, where's that? Stark Tower. So back home, for Tony Stark. Also, good for him that he's got a home base in New York now. Much less flying yeah, to Queens, truly. you know? Shorter much shorter trip. So, uh we're heading to Manhattan, which is where we will spend the rest of this film, which you know, Incredible Hulk, they ravaged Harlem. Now, they've got the rest they've just got the rest of Manhattan to deal with. They've got to catch mean, up. They really they really sort of Keep it contained to Midtown East. That's true. That's true. It's like they just like fuck up Forty Fourth Street. <laughs> Who needs it? Uh, Banner even has that callback to Incredible Hulk. Yeah, when he says something like, "Oh, last time I was in New York, I kind of broke Harlem or something yeah. like that." They get they actually they get more use out of that that little bridgeway uh, into Grand Central. Yeah, like it's like, it's like above like Vanderbilt <laughs> Avenue. They get more use out of that than I, any other New Yorker I've ever seen. Sure. <laughs> no one no one goes up there. <laughs> uh, Tony shows up at Stark Tower and there's actually a pretty fun little, uh, little standoff between he and Loki where, I mean, I sort of would have expected them to just like start fighting or mm-hmm. something, but there's this, this Tony shows up and his he takes off his suit, pours himself a drink. They just have a little bit of, of banter where Tony essentially acknowledges to the viewer like that the Avengers are now assembled, right? Mm-hmm. We have we have accepted the fact that we are now on a team and we are working against you. Quote, if we can't protect the Earth, you can be damn sure we'll avenge it. Uh, and then, as you mentioned before, Loki tries to possess Tony. Ting, ting, ting. Uh, tries to use his staff to take over, to possess Tony's heart. Doesn't work. And probably because there's a, a, a big arc reactor or a little arc reactor in the way. I believe now they do start fighting because Tony deploys the Mark 8 mm-hmm. now. This is essentially the, the maiden voyage of the Mark 8, which is pretty cool. It's a suit that finds Tony wherever he is and um, assembles itself on his bod. The Tesseract portal opens. Chitari invade the Earth. It opens a big old wormhole in the sky, and uh, the aliens on their on their little like uh, air jet skis, essentially yeah. space jet skis, start flying down into Manhattan. Uh, I really love this. This I mean, this whole this whole fight is kick ass. The whole thing is amazing, but I especially I mean, it starts off with a bang with Tony just flying up in the air directly towards the wormhole wormhole definitely and, and engaging in a firefight with all of these chitari i think it's really cool i think this i think this this whole fight is um it looks really cool and i i think uh a lot of you know a lot it gives it gives tony and uh, you know later the the rest of the adventures opportunities to do some really cool things i have a lot of i have a lot of issues with the chitari with the chitari are just so faceless and like 
Yeah. I, I don't, you know, they don't, you know, anything about where they come from. I guess they're just a, you know, they're a, a mercenary force, like, and also that they're, I guess they're a hive mind, so, like, they, you don't really, you know. Right. They're, like, sort of cyborg. Yeah. Because uh, they need the mothership in order to, yeah. And they're, they're like, totally, never really I, mentioned again. Yeah, it's a total hollow villainous figure for sure that is obviously just and it was a weird call um at the time too to me uh because the previous to this film the chitari never really appeared did not appear in mainstream comics continuity um they were like a creation of like this side ultimate universe which i think i talked about on on some episode um and the ultimate universe was created in in conjunction with the MCU, right? Or I think it's to about be like a I think it's about a, a, I think the Ultimate Universe was created around the year two thousand as sort of a easy new like modern hard reset of the Marvel Marvel Universe, like as an alternate um, uh-huh. for new for like new readers to like basically retell uh, the entire history of the Marvel Universe uh, and set okay. it um, just unburden a lot of the continuity that at that point sixty years of constant comics publishing had had burned it with and it was sort of like this like you know not not your father's marvel universe like lean streamlined weird a lot of like weird like edgy storylines captain america was kind of a fascist uh that's where republican captain america exists is the ultimate universe captain america is kind of fascist Scarlet Witch and her brother are maybe fucking. So this is so like, we, uh, yeah, hey millennials, we're making comics for you now. It's mortal. It's like, hey, edgy Gen Xers who are now twenty five. Okay, I don't, I don't know, right. but that's where the Chitari were, and there are some very cool alien races in the mainstream Marvel universe at this time. I believe most of them were aligned with the Fantastic Four properties, and so they were not owned by. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is where you get the Chitari from. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, mm, yeah, this yeah. was one of those things that I that I just didn't. You know, I was I was successfully able. It to doesn't matter exactly. It doesn't yeah. matter to yeah. if if it is it is such a uh, a non-issue if you right don't let it be an issue, which. You can say turn your brain off. Fucking anything. Max. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. Press play. Turn your brain off. Yeah. Turn it back on in two and a half hours. Yeah. So we are in. We're in full on. I mean, you can't even call it a boss battle. This is just like absolute fucking chaos yeah. at this point. Just like unlimited um, waves of 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 faceless cybernetic yeah. soldiers and the giant worms that love them. Um, this is more. Yeah, this is less boss battle and more like. Uh, like Gears of War, like cooperative mm-hmm. play, <laughs> and very video, um, very video gamey. Yeah, big time. Yeah, so we've got waves of Chitari on their space jet skis. Thor and Loki engage in a big fight. Loki apparently has gotten much more proficient as a physical uh, combatant. Yeah, um, much higher stakes in this fight than <laughs> than in the original Thor movie where he was completely incompetent. Loki, let's see. Loki shoots down Barton, and oh, he shoots down the 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 plane that that Hawkeye, Widow, and Cap are in. So they are on the ground. Next wave of Shatari uh, includes obviously the the sort of level up enemy, which is from 
when we first see them, we see them from the front view, and it literally to me looked like a big turtle. Uh, but they're like the, these giant, they're like space dra- space dragon thing. Dragons, yeah. yeah, I guess is the the and. But anyways, they're big and they're very dangerous, and they they cause a lot of. Damage. They they have like they have the one that eventually Hulk takes down, and they're like, oh, that was a, and then like three more pop, which is. To, to your video game point like it's like it's an it's an early it's sort of having an early uh mini boss all of a sudden because like later levels becomes uh just a, a fairly regular level of enemy exactly once you it's like you have to pull your resources to fight this new big guy yeah. and then once you finally take him down there's a moment of relief and then three more come and you're like oh shit this is next level i have to this now has to be the norm um what else? I'm thinking of an. Oh, I guess like Resident Evil Five is like. Uh, did you ever play that game? No. That was the first Resident Evil that sort of stepped away from horror okay. and stepped into uh, action shooter wave of enemies style. Anyways, great game. Okay. Let's see if we can talk our way through this fucking battle. Uh, Black Widow and Hawkeye are battling the 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 pawns on the ground, the the groundling fighters, and I. Uh, they're kicking ass. I loved it. I loved. I loved the scene. Um, I love watching them dominate all of these these peons. Okay, so this is the moment. This is the big Avengers assembly moment. So they sort of make it through a, a few waves. They all gather on the ground. Banner shows up on his bike. We've got two. We've got two classic shots. One is the Avengers assembled shot where we see them all in a big group ready to kick some ass the second one is cap assigns a banner to hulk out and take out the the big space dragon and as banner sort of saunters toward the space dragon cap says now would be a great time to get angry banner turns around zoom on zoom in on his face and says that's my secret captain i'm always angry hulks out uh and and goes in for the kill as cheesy as this moment is it got me really fucking pumped up it works <laughs> like it, it it you know it it's because it, it it is not only is it campy but it's also necessary information mm-hmm. right it is it is a plot point that is couched in like a sort of a, a crowd pleaser epic one line and they've been like building to that like they you know he banner's been sort of hinting the whole movie that he has a like has a new system he he has a new yeah. he's under you know he he has a new sense of control over the whole the whole whole yeah. issue without really delving cool. into too much yeah it was very cool like like you know like turn your brain off like this movie works great like and the the you yep. know the 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 musical cue the the like avengers fanfare that repeats throughout this film like it's great yeah yeah it's all good it's all Swell, good a lot of swelling swelling music all right. So as men- as Max mentioned before, uh, Cap's got a plan. This is his role, right? He is he is the leader. So he sends Hawkeye to the roof to basically just pick people off, uh, calling call out enemy patterns and observations. Uh, Tony, guard the perimeter. Make sure nothing leaves New York. If anything does, attack. Turn it around. Send it back in. Thor. Bottleneck the portal. Slow down anything that's coming through it to the best of your ability. Light the bastards up, he says. Cap and Widow, stay on the ground. Hulk, smash, baby. <laughs> this one didn't work as well, but I'll let it slide. So this plan works for 
a total of like 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets basically one cool move in before the chaos, uh, before the before New York falls back into chaos. Thor hops atop a building. I can't remember which building it is and does just a sick lightning conjuring like he has never conjured lightning before and takes out a bunch of airborne enemies that way. Black Widow does like maybe her bossest move yet where Cap boosts her into the air. She jumps on his shield, does a flip into the air, grabs one of the uh, space jet skis and hijacks Mm -hmm. it. So great. Cut to the helicarrier where Nick Fury is in another meeting with the security council and they order a fucking nuke strike on Manhattan. What's up with that? I mean, gotta really raise the stakes. Jesus. Okay, let's just talk about this right now. The stakes in this movie go from zero to 100. Uh, It's like, I just can't believe how quickly this storyline, the greater storyline of this became so high stakes, which makes me think they couldn't have had the like greater MCU arc in mind yet. Because it, I mean, it's like up until this point, we've been dealing with basically like rogue villains who have basically been overcome by the idea of power of the Tesseract and essentially gotten carried away with themselves. I mean, that's a gross generalization, but Uh, basically single villains, right? Mm -hmm. And we are now dealing with nuclear bombs. We are now dealing with space invaders. We are now dealing with the, the planet Earth is in peril and we are threatening a nuclear attack on New York City. It's like, where do we go from here? This is insane. But that is, that is like sort of classic, like comic books and also, like, all of the Avengers have their own titles. They have individual titles published monthly where they are largely uh-huh. dealing with threats that they can handle one-on-one. The Avengers title exists essentially to have a place for all of these, like, okay. super high-stakes things that yeah. would... For- like, the Avengers title has to always has to be super high-stakes because they need, they need a reason to exist. Like, yeah. they need a reason to publish a series that has, you know, seven superpower people over one. Uh, so yeah. it needs to be, you know, seven times as big. But also, you know, every six to months to a year in, in comics, they have, you know, these these events that's, that span over multiple titles and are these giant, ridiculous stakes things that are going on. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Something something happened in Gar- I I read Guardians of the Galaxy monthly and like there was just something wild that happened happened in it last like in the last 6 months that and uh, there oh and yeah. Venom just took over the whole Marvel like the the oh. the not Venom but like the god of the planet that the symbiote that Venom is from oh, okay. like invaded the Marvel universe across all the titles. So like there's ridiculous stakes to to it. So yeah, my, that point, makes my sense. point is like you know whether like whether or not they had they had it all planned out like comic storylines really exist in like a in in a, 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 a cycle of like absurd stakes okay and then sort of a fall which is the 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 you know the phases yeah. of the Marvel universe exist in this in uh, so every okay. phase is going to end with absurd a stakes and then a reset where they're back to. And no one's ever going to address it. That makes a lot of yeah. sense, though. I appreciate that that insight. 
Cause, yeah, I I was just looking at the whole thing. I was just like, where where do we go from here? <laughs> like, did anybody think about it's, what the next movie entails? It's not anything it's I should. Yeah, yeah, right. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, well, I'll be able to sleep tonight. Thank you. <laughs> so we're gonna nuke Manhattan. We're gonna nuke Manhattan. But I mean, it gives it gives Fury the coolest thing he does in the whole movie, which is just grab a grab a. a an RPG and try and try to shoot his own plane down. Yeah. Or he does shoot his own, but they did like a bait and switch on the plane or they were going to send two nukes. Like I was confused about that. Then he tries to shoot the real plane with a pistol. It's it's pretty, it's pretty good. Like it's, it's fun. It's stupid. It's fun. It's something Samuel Jackson can sell. Right. So they've, they successfully send out the nuke, the bait and they pull off the bait and switch. And so we've now, We've now got a nuclear bomb in a headed headed toward New York. Uh, nuke, I believe, uh, nuke, Nick Fury informs Tony of this, mm-hmm. I believe, and so Tony, of course, has to change up the game plan. He has to go after the nuke. All right, back on Manhattan, Hulk beats the shit out of Loki. Pretty funny moment. Uh, Loki has a a little hissy fit Mm -hmm. about being a god and you can't you can't touch me you can't harm me you are you know mortal men and i'm a god uh hulk grabs him and and just ragdoll throws him around the room eric comes to having been knocked out and therefore saved saved from from loki's control um realizes what he has done but also realizes that he's built a safety into this, into the Loki's scepter. So the Tesseract has created an energy shield around itself, which is virtually impenetrable. So nobody can stop it. But when Eric comes to, he realizes that in Loki's scepter is the power to penetrate this this uh, energy and cut off the wormhole. So that's the new mission. Iron Man intercepts the nuke and flies it through the wormhole and destroys the Chitari, the Chitari mothership with it, um, which big moment for Tony Stark, selfless act in which he could very well, very easily die. So that was a fun, short-lived existential arc for, for Tony. But of course, he makes it through the wormhole before it, clo- before it closes. I'm getting ahead of myself. Natasha closes the wormhole while Iron Man is falling through space because his suit has powered down. And uh, but he makes it back to Earth. Hulk saves him from falling to the ground. And that's that's that battle. Do you have any any thoughts on the on that battle now that we've sort of successfully navigated through the weeds of it? I think I think Tony sending the nuke through the wormhole is a great it's a great sort of button on the whole thing. I think it ties it up. It ties it up pretty neatly and, you know, reveals the Chitara to be. I guess a hive mind. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was cool. Yeah. I felt like I had to like t- pause and take a breather yeah. after this scene. I was yeah. like, Oh my God, that was a lot, but it was super fun. When the Hulk goes, just goes buck wild. It's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Like when he, when he just starts jumping into buildings and like pounding through walls yeah. and just throwing people. And when he goes into total destroyer berserker mode, love to watch it. Love to see it. So we're in the aftermath now. We're in the winding down of this film. There's a, a news footage montage that indicates that we are now essentially in the era of the superhero, in case we weren't before. 
where we get our Stan Lee cameo here. And now we get all of the Avengers. Well, I guess it happens over a Fury Fury monologue. The the Avengers are splitting up, but Fury basically says, "Not to worry, because if the Earth is ever in peril again, they'll 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 assemble again." Shout out to Clint Barton in his absolutely fresh out of nineteen ninety eight garb in this scene. Did that catch your eye oh, at all? Remember. I don't remember it, but. <laughs> The least cool costume I've seen in this entire franchise so far. It's just so wearing? indicative. He's wearing like a a hoodie with a with a faux leather jacket, I think, over it, and th- the glasses are really oh, yeah. They look like knockoff Oakleys. They're really what seal the deal. Yeah, because he's a giant fucking dork. Like, who thinks he's? <laughs> he, it's what Hawkeye dresses like. What he what a cool what he thinks his idea of a cool person is. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I also just had your um. I had your hatred for Hawkeye in mind when I, I when I saw it. this scene, so it so it struck me. Oh, I shouldn't search Hawkeye Final Avengers scene because that's that's going to take me way far into the future. Yeah. All right, let's see. Is there any of this movie left that I haven't? Uh, so the, we've got the mid credits. We've got the yeah. I mean, you pretty much wrapped it up. Well, Thor Thor takes the Tesseract back to Asgard. Right. That's a that's an important point. Uh, the council's mad at 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 fury for allowing that to happen um but he's like i mean we took we were the ones who took it in the first place so we just put it sent it back to where it came from we can't protect it here uh and the avengers split and this movie is over save for a mid-credits scene i don't know if it's the other or if the other is dead and this is another captain or something but if essentially somebody's like the earthlings are actually more powerful than we gave them credit for so uh, we fell in this yeah. battle. And the previously implied greater villain turns his head and gives us a little smirk. And it's Thanos. It's Thanos. Is this the it's point Thanos. where, at, at some point in the movie, they, I think the other says that, like, to to tangle, to, like, go toe-to-toe with Thanos is to, to court death it's itself or herself. And I don't remember when that line gets, they get that line off of the movie, but that, Oh, I missed that. So it's a, nom- I think I, I told you about this on an early, a pretty early episode, but like how comics Thanos is like, does the whole, uh, infinity gauntlet thing basically just, or does the whole like snap and erases half the universe to just to, to imp- impress death, to impress death. Cause he's, cause he's horny for her. Yeah. Uh, which this line makes bug. me think that maybe they were going to do that plot line, which would have mm. been way too insane for the, for these movies. But, uh, what could have been, <laughs> it's a nice little Easter egg. I don't know, man. That's something that everyone can relate to. We all just want to get some. It's in our primal instincts. Yeah. From the human embodiment of death. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter who it's from. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. No. Any. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> cool. 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 But uh, yeah, I suppose that um, the 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 continued survival of of humanity and the environment that we live in is also relatable yeah, material. Sure. Relatable content. <laughs> and there's the shawarma scene. The what? The shawarma scene. Oh, the shawarma. Right. 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 The shawarma scene. Uh, I man, that took it out of me. I don't even know what to talk about now. I mean, let's... That was a crazy movie. Yeah, let's take a pause. Let's take a breath. You know, we've got, we've got through phase one. We've gotten through phase one. We're, we're looking ahead to Iron Man 3, you know? I feel good about 
where I'm at as a consumer of these movies right now, mm-hmm. which as you know, and anybody who's listened to all of the episodes thus far, I was not in this position in our last film. Um, I went through a bit of a crisis uh, of identity, but I feel like I'm, st- I'm wrapping my head around what these movies are and how I am supposed to engage with them. I mean, I think you nailed it 20 minutes ago, you know, turn your brain off for two and a half hours. Yeah. Hell yeah, for sure. And yeah, I found this movie uh, greatly enjoyable. Let's talk about the Joss Whedon factor. Because my first thought, because as I mentioned to you on an earlier episode, I don't know much (laughs) about Joss Whedon. I don't know much of his work. And I don't know much about his cultural impact, including the sort of recent. Is it explicitly sexual allegations that have been brought against him? or I'm not gonna set myself i'm not gonna say i'm an expert i think it it doesn't from what i've read it it's not like harvey weinstein's sexual assault it is more like deeply shitty sexism as well Mm. as um racism like a lot of like a lot of just like shitty treatment of of uh people of color uh actors on his sets a lot of shitty treatment of women on his sets and also yeah and also being like a like a really high level creep yeah to, just creating a toxic environment. Yeah, it's like su- it sounds like he's he's created some real super toxic environments like throughout his his career and like that. Um, I was reading a little bit about it this morning right before we jumped on because the uh, the re-edited uh, Justice League movie was released today. And uh, yeah, so I was just I just did a news search on Joss Whedon and it's all about Justice League. What is his connection to Justice League? So Zack Snyder. Uh, Direct, like, was the original director of Justice League and was the original yeah. um, sort of guiding hand of the DC universe. Mm-hmm. Zack Snyder's daughter, I believe, committed suicide in 2017 during the filming of oh, Justice wow. League. Zack Snyder, understandably, decided to take a step back yeah. from just all his roles, spend more time with his family. Warner Brothers brought in Whedon to finish Justice League. Hmm. Uh, you know the DC DC has always sort of been in the shadow of Marvel as far as the movies. Um, I think they were trying to sort of get some some Whedon some Whedon shine onto Justice League, especially because these the movies up until that point have been really uh, repeatedly criticized for being super dark in tone. Um, yeah, and a lot of that darkness was blamed was uh, maybe rightfully so blamed on uh, Zack Snyder. Snyder. It's just. They're two very different directors with very different styles. Yeah. And this is a very uh, abbreviated version. But basically, so Whedon finishes Justice League as much as a third of the final, the theatrical cut of Justice League is all Whedon, maybe more. And almost immediately, there are actors from Justice League, specifically, um, I think Ray Fisher plays Cyborg. He's a mm-hmm. black man. He uh, saying, you know, saying that Whedon um, was shitty to uh, a lot of the actors of color on the set, um, and also mm-hmm. really pared down the storylines of these characters. So since then, there's been a real fan swelling of uh, let Zack Snyder release the movie yeah. if he wanted to, which has now come out today. It's it's being marketed as like an entirely different film. I, mean, I just can't imagine. 
how it could be so different. I read an NPR, I read an NPR review of it right before we jumped yeah. on. Um, I mean, the original Justice League, the theat- not the original, the theatrical cut of Justice League, the Whedon cut, is about two hours long. This movie's four hours long. Like that mm-hmm. is on HBO Max. It's and so wild. <laughs> I cannot. I mean, Return of the it. King. It's Return of the King extended edition length. Like, yeah. but they also like did like. 150 million dollars worth of reshoots like they so they you know there have been calls for you know release the snyder cut and then they warner brothers sort of made this like the masthead of hbo max when they announced hbo max like we're gonna release the snyder cut on hbo max and with that Mm -hmm. they gave Zack snyder essentially a whole new movie's budget to take what existed of justice league and do what sounds like a significant amount of reshoots um, and make the movie that he wanted. I'm going to watch it next Hmm. week after I get my second vaccine shot and I'm sick on the couch. Yeah. So I mean, it looks spectacular in a literal sense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, visually, uh, it looks like I thought the Whedon cut was fine. Like I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a big DC Comics guy, but I there's there's not I've had I've sort of struggled to find a lot to really gra- love about the DC films. Aquaman was fun, yeah. Like and especially I didn't like what, the early what was fun Aquaman. Oh Aquaman, um, mm-hmm. and the first Wonder Woman, and but I mean I really didn't enjoy the Superman and Batman vs Superman, the two Zack Snyder like fully realized, fully Zack Snyder DC movies like. Was Man of Steel one of those? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the last DC movie I saw, yeah. and I was, I just couldn't stand it. Yeah, I couldn't. I just hated it so yeah, much. Same. I don't know. The review that I read, the NPR review I read of this, because I just wanted to read something that wasn't uh, pretty, didn't really have too much of a stake in, like, comic comic book art. Because this, this whole Snyder Cut thing has been a super contentious thing, because there's, like, a really vocal group of Zack Snyder fans that are super uh, toxic on, on... Zack Snyder himself seems like a fine guy, actually. Um, yeah. It's very... It's kind of weird. Um, there's a really vocal, toxic Zack Snyder fan base on Twitter. Um, mm. But Snyder himself seems like he's a pretty decent dude. Um, even hmm. if I... You know, I'm not really super into his movies, but... Uh, Did he do the Watchmen film? Yes. Which I do like, actually. I like it too. I mean, it's it. I think it's more into itself than I am into it. Definitely, but it's super ul- into ultimately, itself. I... and it it misses a lot of the point of Watchmen the book. I think it's still yeah, a super agreed. watchable movie. Agreed, agreed. And I it also came at a point in time where I was really into. I can't remember exactly what year it is, but I feel like I sort of lump it in. Okay, yeah. So I sort of I I. In my brain, and as far as my development as a film viewer, I sort of lump it in the same category as like, like the Dark Knight trilogy, mm-hmm. where I was like, "Oh, superhero films are super gritty and 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 badass," you know? Exactly, and and like that's that was Zack Snyder's whole thing. Yeah, right. Sort of like the grit, like the grim and the grim and gritty, realistic superheroes. Right, and I mean, Watchmen is a grim fucking story. Yeah. It, it, it is. It is at least compatible <laughs> with a dark film. Um, the book but... doesn't work unless you're super into comics, but the movie, I think the movie works on its own as long as you yeah. just acknowledge that it's a bad adaptation of the book, but it's mm-hmm. a perfectly fine. It's a, it's a fine movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, I- interesting to to compare Snyder's Watchmen versus Damon Lindelof's Watchmen. I mean, they how inc- they have nothing incredibly to do with different. Each other, they, yeah, exactly. Lindelof's Watchmen is a direct con, con, a direct sequel to um, the book. Yeah, but the fact that they're based on the same source material. It's just, I mean, it's interesting how worlds apart they are from one another when they can't come from ostensibly the same place. I mean, Lindelhoff, Lindelhoff understands Watchmen as a source material and uses yeah. it as a, jump, as a jumping off point. Snyder mm-hmm. read Watchmen. Yeah. Um, and then made and, a movie. Yeah, and then he made, and then he made a movie <laughs> that kind of looked like Watchmen. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting to me that Joss Whedon wasn't under, I mean, neither of us can expertly speak on this i'm sure but it's it's weird that whedon wasn't on some sort of exclusivity agreement with marvel or it must have expired or something it doesn't certainly like he would have had to be well i mean no one uh, seems like has exclusivity agreement because like there's because there's just like even within marvel films that are made like before marvel consolidated everything into studios like josh brolin who ultimately plays thanos yeah he's in deadpool he was in a oh, D- he was that. in a DC I mean a real second tier DC movie in the mid two thousands called Jonah Hex which is about like a, a oh yeah supernatural cowboy um, uh huh but like I mean Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds he's it um, he's he's Deadpool Green Lantern and uh, is it Green Lantern mm-hmm. and he's in the third Blade movie yeah like he's in three different arcs yeah, I think I feel like there's there's a fairly large group, but a group of people in Hollywood, they're just like, yeah, we'll do comic book movies. And that's more. Yeah. And I think within the industry, it seems like those are the people that are thought of as the comic book people. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, no one's signed up to an exclusivity contract. So whenever someone's like, we need a guy who can do comic books, like they just they keep pulling from the same the same pile. Yeah. But don't you think that DC and Marvel are conflicting interests? Like, do you don't think they're like, I, I doubt they're chummy with one another. It seems like I mean, it's. It, the, the easy, like the easiest way I can ex- I can explain it is that they're both sort of building the same culture, and like there are, I mean, there I'm sure there are people who are like I only do DC, I only do Marvel, but most people who enjoy comics are they're picking from everything, like DC, Marvel, the in yeah. the indies, um, but also the writers are all like the writers are not are, there are ex- oh, that's there are exclusivity that's cool. contracts. Like there, those yeah. do exist. With you know, uh-huh. there are some artists and writers that are signed to usually time like a four a four year exclusivity contract with Marvel. For uh, you know, off the top of my head, I know Mitch, uh, an artist named Mitch Gerard, is signed to an exclusivity contract contract with DC. But for the most part, you know, most comics work is freelance, and yeah. so the writers are going back and forth often within the same year if not month there you know i know the guy who's writing daredevil right now is also writing uh one of the like seven current batman comic books like this guy chip zadarsky Mm. and Mm -hmm. and he's also writing i think some spider-man like he's like it Hmm. it's not but my point is it's not as siloed as you would think as you would think it is like culturally it's just not as siloed as you would think it is because of the way you know every other entertainment industry works where you know this person signed to this label this person is under contract with this studio yeah comics is such a yeah communal uh, is better than incestual um it's such a uh, it's 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 such a insular community but they're all sort of 
it, and it's also um, it's a specific skill. You know, writers can write book, artists can do, but you know, people who are good at comics are gonna just stay in comics, but they also you know have to keep working within. Yeah, I I th- I think that's really cool refreshing to hear of course my cynical brain assumed the opposite because like you said that's how most of the world works is that if two two entities are creating within the same market then inherently they must be at odds with one another so it's nice to hear that when that's not the case also it makes sense because comics seem it seems like it's a culture that builds upon itself through generations, Definitely. right? Like the understanding of comics grows so much as it passes on to the next generation of comic writers or creators or consumers that it makes sense that people who are good at comics stay in comics mm-hmm. or, you know, if obviously not in all cases, I'm sure. But yeah, it's a cool, I feel like I've always sort of been uh, just on the outside of the glass, sort of like looking into the comic book world, you know, it's like, and an not, not for, lack of them letting me right, in. Right. I just have never dove into them. I mean, I'm just always just like, oh, that looks cool. It's a, oh, I like that. It's, but it's always from the outside. It's sort of a, it seems like there's a high bar of entry. Like it's, yeah. it's because of, you know, a hundred years of continuity or whatever. And, you know, it right. seems like there's a lot, but I mean, you can just kind of grab something. I, I only started doing like monthly subscriptions in 2018. It was like the first time in my life I was getting mm. comics uh, as they came out, I mean, I I I was reading a tremendous amount before that, but always in the sort of coll- the graphic novel collections. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. And that's where I'm. At, like, I've read Watchmen. Right. I I have re- like I've read a bunch of of like manga, and you know, I I get the the big longer form stuff like that. But yeah, the the periodic and the the serials and the, yeah, I just haven't gotten into that world. But like you said, it's pro- it's probably just a matter of choosing something, and you know yeah just seeing where it takes you so i don't know maybe i'll start reading comic books i picked up See iron man too. for the first time this week it's pretty good i mean like whatever a, they're uh, doing uh, in iron, i mean whatever they're doing in iron man right now is pretty good right yeah i, I cool. had i think the only marvel comic i really read regularly is guardians of the galaxy and is that because why is that because it's, it's a lot of wild space shit cool. and it's also it's a little as far as like what's going on in Guardians of the Galaxy is often a little more contained from mm. the rest of the Marvel universe because they're sort of like they're flying around in space, yeah. and so they're often sort of separate from the main main like goings on within uh, the Marvel universe. So often when there's like huge Marvel universe spanning crossovers, like it doesn't really hit the Guardians that the Guardians of the Galaxy series is that hard. So like I can sort huh. of stay, I. Because comics get really expensive really quickly, basically, when you're like, totally. well, I gotta read this, and I gotta read this, and I gotta read this, and, and to, mm-hmm. like, you know, to get the full, what, the full goings on, and, but Guardians of the Galaxy is usually pretty self-contained. Okay, And cool. it's, I just kind of like the weird space shit more than a lot of the Marvel, like, the mainstream Marvel superhero stuff. Now, this, Guardians is a very mainstream Marvel superhero comic book, but it's... A little bit different than like Iron Man or yeah. Captain America. It's also pretty gay right now, which is awesome. Oh, Star Star Lord is now a cosmic bisexual. I love it. The like skyrocketing queerness of comics in the last in the last couple of years is X Men is so queer right now, and it's Hell yeah. really fun to see. 
I think Wolverine and Cyclops are in a three-way in a thruple with Jean Grey. Whoa! Well, and I mean, Chuck we all saw like, that. We all saw that coming. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, congrats to us for getting through phase one. Congrats to whoever's out there listening for getting through it with us. I'm very excited to to move on. I'm very excited to go to space more. And that's all. <laughs> you want to do a, a pop culture palate cleanser before we go? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, sure. What's going on? All right. Uh, watch. Just finished watching Lupin on uh, Netflix. Is that any good? It's really good. Um, you know what is a? You know uh, what is a? I'm just gonna slightly derail us real quick here. Yeah, yeah. You know what is a Studio Ghibli adjacent film that you may like is uh, Castle of Cagliostro, which is a Lupin story. Lup, Lupin is okay. the central character in that, and it was Miyazaki's first feature length. He created Studio Ghibli immediately after it. But there's lots okay. of antics. You should check it out. Love antics. Yeah. Um, Lupin is. It's good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, Netflix by default dub like dubs it into English. Okay. Uh, it's a French show. Um, That's weird because they have so many they have so many foreign language shows that they don't I know. do that with. I know. I th- I and I'd watched the Lupin um, trailers. I didn't even I didn't realize that it was a French language show until <laughs> we started watching it. And about a minute in, I'm like, this is dubbed. I can't like I yeah. I would I would rather I I get very easily distracted by dubbing, so I prefer to watch subs. Yeah, especially on a live. I I mean I can't think of a time when I've watched a live action film dubbed <laughs> or a live action anything. Yeah. You can get away with it on on anime, but anyways, continue. Worth watching. Definitely, definitely worth watching. And um, it's five episodes. Ends on a cliffhanger. They're, they they just announced they've got a second a part two cool. coming. What do you got? What do you got going on? Uh, what do I have been? Well, since I've started working, it's been a little. There's not so much going on. I've been. I've watched a few films. You know, we've got uh, Academy Awards noms were, were just announced, and so I'm catching up on those. Um, I saw. I watched *The Five Bloods* and uh, *Judas and Black Messiah* last week. Both of those were really good. Um, uh, Daniel Kaluuya fucking kills it. He's so Definitely. good in that movie. And I watched Sound of Metal a couple of days ago. I don't know what that is. It's an Amazon Studios film. It stars Riz Ahmed. Okay. Uh, it's about he he is he plays a, a heavy metal drummer. And well, it's I guess you couldn't really call it heavy metal. It's some like sort of weird garagey shit. But it's he's a metal drummer and. Um, he loses his hearing. So it's about his process in learning to be okay. a, deaf, a deaf person um, who loves music. And uh, it was it was great. Uh, I really liked it. And I, th- I think that's pretty much it. I'm, I'm very close to finishing The Mandalorian and still so on board with it. More so than I was the last time we spoke. The second, se- I like, like I said, I like the second season more. It is fab. Yeah, it's just really good. It's, it's like, um, and this has been, I mean, I think this has been said many times before but it's you know it's a lot like sort of the dumb uh series like syndicated like xena hercules shows from the 90s yeah it's just like real good monster of the week bullshit exactly like, i mean there's so you know again doesn't withstand a whole lot of scrutiny like mando's a big dummy right yeah. he 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 there's so many times where you just want to bop him upside the head and be like what are you thinking uh just, just keep that baby keep that baby safe, yeah idiot lock lock your ship you yeah. know, I don't know. Uh, 
And but yeah, it just knows it. It knows the marks to hit. It knows uh, the the heartstrings to to tug on. Uh, really loving it. Spoiler warning for the next fifteen seconds. Um, I just met uh, Ahsoka Tano and and Boba Fett in 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 two episodes. Boom bam, and they both are just excellent, excellent additions. Definitely. Rosario Dawson show. kills it. She does, and she's getting her own show, right? I think so. Yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna once I finish. Well, Todd has never seen a Star Wars film. Todd is my roommate. Um, I don't believe that seems weird. I, I, feel like I know. We, I feel like we must have made him watch them in college. It w- I don't know. You know, I he maybe he's yanking the chain, but that I, he insists well, upon it. Uh, I mean, I feel like I feel like it's a recurring. And listeners just, you know, are totally interested in the recurring <laughs> segments of Trevor's roommate, Todd. But uh, <laughs> that would be a good recurring. We should have Todd on the show. We should have Todd as a guest. We definitely like, when should. We start, yeah. He's also never seen the Marvel films. And so he he said he's going to watch them along with with his right, listening yeah. for this. So let's let's get him on here. Let's I'm going to I'm going to hold the fire under his ass to catch up on Marvel. And my point being, I want to I want to go back and rewatch Star Wars after I finish Mandalorian and I want to re- watch uh Clone Wars which I've never mm-hmm. seen. Have you seen yeah. Clone Wars? I haven't. I haven't watched any of the animated stuff. Mm. Um, I've heard it's good. Yeah. I've heard that and Rebels are both pretty good. That's all I've got. So All right. This is fun. <laughs> I'm excited. We're, we're just like so like <laughs> like we get to the end of phase 1 and we're just like all right. Thanks yeah. for listening, everyone. Later. <laughs> this has been Marvel Talk. Um, like, like, rate, and review. Subscribe. Okay. So, uh, I guess, I guess, I should, I should say that uh, we're going to be back next week with a little uh, debrief. We're going to to take the week to gather our thoughts. We're going to bring you some best ofs, worst ofs for Phase One, some um, general takeaways. Uh, and then we're going to take a little break and we're going to, I don't know, polish up the formula, maybe get a new logo, shine our shoes a bit. And, um, so we'll see you next week. And then I don't know, in a couple of weeks after that with phase two, um, very excited for things to come. I'm enjoying these movies more than I thought I was going to totally having not, not seen most of these since whenever the release date was. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Thanks, y'all, and uh, we'll see you next week. Later. Bye. This has been a production of the Imposture Radio Network. Max and Trevor are your co-hosts. All music by Trevor Eichhorn. Remember what I told you earlier. I'm not going to repeat it. Just do it, okay? Make sure to tune in next week for the end of Phase 1, baby. Later, wimps.